Food is the language everyone speaks, but do we truly understand it? Between the conversations over organic food and GMOs, different diets taking the world by storm, and how what we eat actually impacts our environment, there's no shortage of things to learn about. Hi, I'm Karel Vega. And I'm Cheryl Kirschenbaum, and this is Serving Up Science. It's a good week to talk about food. The markets are packed with shoppers piling cranberries, potatoes, and frozen birds into carts. Thanksgiving is upon us. I love Turkey Day. Although, fun fact, the Native Americans and pilgrims probably didn't serve turkey in 1621 at the very first Thanksgiving. Historians say the day was probably more focused on religious ceremonies than their meal, which was more likely deer or some other bird. So how did the turkey rise to prominence for the holiday? It's been the centerpiece of Thanksgiving since at least the mid-19th century, and the reasons have actually been cause for a lot of debate among historians. Time for some theories. Sarah Joseph Hale, known as, quote, the godmother of Thanksgiving, edited Godey's Ladybook, which was a popular colonial-era women's magazine. She had a lot of influence, and she used it to get Thanksgiving recognized as a national holiday. Hold up a minute. Is this the same Sarah Joseph Hale that authored Mary Had a Little Lamb? You know your nursery rhyme history, Carell. Yes, it is. And Sarah also emphasized a roast turkey should be a model for New England festivities adopted by the rest of the country, after Abraham Lincoln declared Thanksgiving to be a national holiday in 1863. And it's also possible that the turkey's large size was simply practical. A big bird could serve a lot of people. That's a fair point, too. And then there's Benjamin Franklin, our founding foodie. He's come up on the series before. And Ben thought that the turkey would be a more respectable bird than the bald eagle. And according to author Karen Davis, Benjamin Franklin wasn't the only founding father to talk about turkeys. Oh, really? At the turn of the 19th century, Alexander Hamilton, upon sitting down to a turkeyless Thanksgiving meal, is said to have remarked, no citizen of the United States shall refrain from turkey on Thanksgiving Day. I can't imagine anything else as the centerpiece of the meal, although many people do opt for other meats or vegetables. But there are some great, not-up-for-debate details about turkeys in our national history that we'd be remiss not to include in the turkey edition of Serving Up Science. Like the Great Turkey Walk. Our neighbors, the Blairs, had the annual turkey trot last weekend, but I'm guessing you're referring to something else. Well, your neighbors, like many around the country, are following a tradition that has some pretty interesting historical roots. According to author Kathleen Carr in her book, The Great Turkey Walk, a parade of thousands of turkeys gobbling their way down country roads to urban markets was a regular sight in the weeks before Thanksgiving. Like a cattle drive for turkeys? Exactly like that. Well, more or less. Vermont's turkeys marched to Boston. Tennessee turkeys marched to Richmond. Some of the birds marched thousands of miles out west. Wait, so you're telling us that there literally were Thanksgiving parades of turkeys dating back hundreds of years? It's not just a Macy's thing. Well, we had cowboys. Were there um, turkey boys? There was a turkey drover, the guy who herded the turkeys on these journeys. Turkeys aren't exactly known for their speed. How long did these marches take? Slow and steady, Cheryl. Flocks typically ambled along at a top speed of one mile per hour. So what did the turkey drover do to move them along? I mean, herding turkeys sounds more challenging than even herding cats. The drover would throw corn, directing the birds, and guide them with a long pole topped with a red piece of cloth that was believed to strike fear into their hearts. If he did his job well and conditions were good, a turkey drive could cover 20 miles in one day. 
This whole business sounds kind of adorable. But given roads in the late 18th and 19th centuries were bad, and I'm talking way worse than roads in Michigan today, it probably took a brave and persistent kind of person to fill the role. Persistent is right. On top of the challenges you might expect, the turkeys would roost when it got too cloudy, and at that point, the turkey drover wouldn't be able to move the flock again until they woke back up. Then I suspect there would be a lot of roosting in a place like Michigan. There probably would be, and the turkey parade required climbing rocky hills and fording streams. Wait, turkeys forded streams. It sounds like you may be underestimating this noble bird, Cheryl. I might be. And just like in cattle drives, there were stampedes at times. Turkey stampedes. It's a lot scarier than it sounds. The birds would crowd together, sometimes trampling each other to death when they became frightened. In fact, according to one witness account, a cattle stampede was considered a tamer affair. But as cute as marching turkeys sound, they were, in reality, marching to slaughtering pens. Well, there, there is that, yeah. But I guess there isn't anything more free-range than this experience. I would say not. Many birds raised on factory farms today aren't able to experience anything close to the adventures of their ancestors. And it's not just the distant American past we're talking about. These turkey marches took place well into the 1930s in some parts of the United States. There were the famous turkey towns of Texas, which held celebratory turkey trots for the birds as they would stream in by the thousands. Suddenly, my neighborhood turkey trot is seeming a little less impressive. But happy Thanksgiving, Corel. Happy Thanksgiving, Cheryl. And a very happy Thanksgiving to all of our listeners. You've been listening to Serving Up Science, the series all about food, where it comes from, and how it impacts our health and planet. This series is produced in association with Food at MSU. I'm Corel Vega. And I'm Cheryl Kirschenbaum, and this is WKAR. WKAR.